0: It is Thursday, September 21st, 2023, and
1: this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellums. Today, Format Festival is returning to Bentonville this weekend, including a diverse selection of Arkansas artists.
2: Honestly, it feels really exciting because there, there is such a big population of Latinos here in, in Northwest Arkansas. I'm really glad that we're able to be a part of it.
0: Plus, tax cuts and the Freedom of Information Act. State Senate President Bart Hester discusses this month's special session.
3: These tax cuts will go into effect January 1st of 24, but we have some um, some immediate tax relief uh, the 150 dollars per person and 300 for joint filing uh, that we as quickly as we can get DFNA to work that into their paychecks. They will. And the Six
1: Bridges Book Festival is back.
4: Memoirs and cooking, uh, cookbooks, and uh, people who actually just like writing, there's something for them to do this year.
5: First up, this hour's news. Support for KUAF comes from the Clinton School of Public Service at the University of Arkansas. Their MPS degree is an action-oriented program focused on preparing students for the tough work of on-the-ground change. For the fall 2024 enrollment cycle, the school is expanding its range of merit-based scholarships and cost-of-living stipends to enrolling students. More at clintonschool.uasys.edu. Sona, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, kicks off its 69th season Saturday, September 23rd at Walton Arts Center. Performing under the baton of maestro Paul Haas, Sona musicians present Great Romantics, Featuring Leonard Bernstein's Symphonic Dances from West Side Story and Sergei Rachmaninoff's Symphony No. 2. Tickets and more at sonamusic.org.
1: This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, September twenty first, 2023 on your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF. I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis. Ahead this hour, the Six Bridges Book Festival, hosted by
0: the Central Arkansas Library System, is back with both virtual and in-person author
1: appearances. We'll learn more about that in our second half hour. But let's start with the Format Festival. It's entering its second year and has been coined the Art World's Woodstock. It will be held in Bentonville this upcoming weekend, where attendees can view art and live music from a variety of creatives, including some from their very own home state. Format put out an open call for Arkansas-based creators to submit their ideas for the opportunity to participate in the lineup, and two of those selected musicians spoke with Ozarks at Larges' Victoria Hernandez about what the experience is like as a minority in their field.
6: Princeton Coleman is one of those musicians playing this year and is known as Uniwa. He is a music producer, DJ, and a music connoisseur in all capacities. From a young age, about 11 or 12, Wa began to experiment with creating his own music. He faced several challenges with his health, which eventually landed him in an alternative school. With three rejections of returning back to Little Rock Central High, Uniwa officially dropped out and committed his full time to music. He describes his sound as digital experimentation that is also steeped in tradition, referring to traditional Black music of older R&B and jazz songs, re-envisioning the genres into his own. Growing up in Little Rock gave Uniwa a unique perspective as a Black musician.
7: Yeah, I can say that it was abs- it was definitely uh, hard, especially specifically the electronic, the electronic sphere. Uh, I feel like uh, Black folks are-, are as deep when it comes to the, artistry of electronics. I don't feel like we, uh, it appears as deep and also it's just, also just regionally it's not really a place for the, the type of music I make, you know. Of course, a lot of the most popular genres in Arkansas are rock and country, punk, you know. So, it, it definitely a lot of feeling out of place and trying to find or create my space within all of this or be to grow a community of people that like the same type of stuff that I make and want to make the same type of stuff and DJ the same type of stuff that I'm into. I feel like well, the older I got, being from Arkansas and maker type of music I make, I actually uh, feel a lot better about it now.
6: Some of his inspirations include Flying Lotus, J Dilla, and Daft Punk. Within his genre, Waugh says it's important for him to represent his background.
7: In the genre of music that I create, uh, diversity could be better. Um, there could be more broader uh, diverse representation. I feel like it takes time. I, I do believe that it, it, it's been changing, but it's 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 been a very slow uh, change. I'll say that much. But nonetheless, change.
6: <laughs> Performing at Format will showcase his music and how it reflects his identity, saying that the opportunity...
7: It's huge for me because... You know, when you associate cities with certain sounds, like people associate house music with, like, Detroit and Chicago and techno with those same cities. And when people think of Little Rock, I want them to think of my sound. So it allows me to really kind of show people that we really do have a sound, you know, or electronic music, and I can represent that to the fullest. So I absolutely love that, and I take great passion in it.
6: Like Uniwa, Musician Pura Coco takes aspects of where she's from and combines them into her sound, uniquely blending alternative R&B with her Latin heritage. Being from New York was the start of her journey in music.
2: Whenever you walk down the street, there's music everywhere, absolutely everywhere.
6: You're hearing cumbia,
2: bachata, salsa, all throughout the streets, and and that's how I initially started loving music. And when I moved to Arkansas, there was like Because I I had so many older cousins here, they introduced me to R&B and hip-hop and techno music and dubstep. And I started loving and expanding my music taste. But I didn't really start writing until I was was
6: 14 or 15. After that first song, she took a break from making her own music. But during that time, Pure Coco was dual-enrolled to earn her associate's degree from Northwest Arkansas Community College while at Rogers New Technology High School. There, she was introduced to theater and script writing. I kind of just fell in love with the process and started to
2: realize why it was so important to tell stories.
6: There she learned about the new Latinx theater project with Theater Squared and joined just to try something new, which influenced her to write music more.
2: Well, it was my first time writing with a group and first time writing really all over again. It was a really emotional process because a lot of what, what we talked about was how, how it was to be a Latino in Northwest Arkansas. It, w- it was really emotional. So once I kind of stepped out of that, I started writing more for myself to, to process emotions, but also trying to, to enjoy life through music.
6: As a performer, Pure Coco says she uses the opportunity to connect with her audience and her identity
2: like my mom and my tia and my and my tio they love actually participating in the music so dancing or or singing along and and i and i love to see that that's that's their favorite part of going to to one of my shows or to any show really so that's one of the reasons that i tell people in the crowd like this is your section of the song are you guys ready because you guys are gonna have to sing along and i And I let them know. And and that's why, like, I split the crowd in in half. And and sometimes I'll teach them dance moves (laughs) on stage. But that's truthfully how I continue that part of myself.
6: Pure Coco expresses pride in the opportunity to share her music this upcoming weekend.
2: Honestly, it feels really exciting. Because there there is such a big population of Latinos here in, in Northwest Arkansas, I'm really glad that we're able to be a part of it.
6: Arkansans Coco and Uniwa are only two of the diverse representation of musicians and artists showcasing both their culture and their talent this upcoming weekend at Format Festival, representing the true art of the state. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Victoria Hernandez.
0: One of the changes from the inaugural Format Festival is its location. Ozarks at Large's Sophia Nurani spoke with Elizabeth Edelman, a producer of Format Festival, and Amanda Horn, Senior Public Relations Director for The Momentary, about the festival's move from Sugar Creek to downtown Bentonville and the benefits it will provide to attendees. We hear first from Edelman.
8: We had a great experience out at Sugar Creek Airstrip last year, and I think it proved that we were really excited to have a festival here in Bentonville but there were certain limitations around production that we couldn't get over in order to move forward with the show and we were looking for a great second location that we could do it at and luckily our partners with Crystal Bridges in the momentary made the suggestion that we host it there and it was actually a perfect suggestion because in some ways it may have been a great location from the beginning because it speaks so much to the core ethos of why we built Format and the intention of the show, which is to merge art and music in a very special way and to create a space for artists to sit outside the normal types of venues that they might exist in, whether it be museums or other spaces, but to be able to create these very unique experiential moments for attendees. And The Momentary already does that so well all year. So it was really perfect, I think, to be able to bring it there. And it's made it so that it's a much more accessible location now, hopefully, for the town and for those that are visiting Bentonville over the weekend for the show.
9: The momentary and mission is to be a platform for art, music, and food, and it aligns perfectly with our mission to have format on our campus. We are also really excited about the accessibility that it brings right to the heart of Bitonville. You know, it is so much more convenient for people to bike and walk or even to come and park in our parking garage to be there. You know momentary has become known as a welcoming hub for the community.
2: What efforts were made? from the city and from you guys to sort of accommodate with the visiting attendees that might be coming from out of town? And and was there any pushback from locals from Bentonville with having the location in in the center of the city?
8: Last year, we were dealing with both the city and the county, and they were unbelievably supportive and helpful in bringing format to life. And so we were very lucky to have great partners in both of them. And this year, working closely with the city and obviously the momentary team to bring this to life in the center of town has been wonderful. You know, with any show that we do, we produce festivals all over the world, you're always going to have some concerns when you're putting a festival in the middle of a city, and it will have impacts on traffic and how things are flowing over the weekend for people. But our team has done this for such a long time; they're professionals. They've worked really closely with traffic, sign, and safety team, and all of the key officials in the city to make sure that this process is seamless from start to finish. And I think. People experienced that last year, even it being off-site and having to take buses in. You know, everyone we spoke to, I think, had a good experience getting in and out of the show, and we very much believe that's going to be the same here. As I mentioned about when you put a festival in the city, there's always people also questioning when you move a festival from one site to another. And I, funnily enough, I think more people were just wanting to know what the differences were and had such a great experience last time that they wanted to make sure that they'd have the same experience this time, and we, as a company, are committed to making sure that the attendee experience is top notch. And so, we know that we're going to hopefully deliver a great festival again year two for everyone. And are very thankful to all the partners involved that made that happen.
9: The momentary has certainly, you know, heard back from some guests too. And you know, there have been a couple who have really wished for that experience being outside of town. But overwhelmingly, there have been so many more people who have expressed their excitement to be able to have it here and kind of in the heart of town in a place that can accommodate these kinds of events. And we are just thrilled to be able to be right here in town.
0: That was Amanda Horn, Senior Public Relations Director for The Momentary, and Elizabeth Edelman, one of the producers of Format Festival. They spoke with Ozarks at Large's Sophia Nurani earlier this week. Hi, this is Daniel Carruth, local host from Morning Edition on KUAF. And one thing I think is true about all public radio listeners is that you are are lifelong learners. You tune into NPR to know more about the world. We, the Zaporizhian Cossacks, defended the people who lived in this particular area.
4: He says they defended their land against invaders, including Muscovite princes.
1: Or about science. NASA's Osiris Rex probe will bring the first sample of an asteroid back to Earth. The capsule is projected to land... In... Or undiscovered history.
10: A team of archaeologists slowly uncover long buried structures and artifacts inside a hand-dug pit.
0: Whatever you're curious about, you know you'll hear more about it on KUAF. And you can do your part to make lifelong
1: learning possible when you contribute. Give at support KUAF. Thanks to everyone who supports 91.3 KUAF and Ozarks at large. In a few minutes on today's show, last week's special session of the Arkansas legislature included tax cuts and discussions about the Freedom of Information Act.
3: This has been one of the healthiest. Really best weeks uh, that I've been in the legislature that I can remember. The Senate body really worked well together. We listened to the people of Arkansas. We listened to the people not only back from our districts emailing, calling, and texting us, but we listened to the people that came and spoke, and and we made
1: made adjustments. The president of the Arkansas State Senate, Bart Hester of Cave Springs, discusses the just-finished special session and what's next for the legislature. That's coming up in a conversation with Roby Brock in about six minutes on today's program. Hi, I'm Matthew Moore, reporter and producer for Ozarks at Large. I love doing word games, especially the kind where you guess a five-letter word and you're given color-coded hints on how close you were to guessing that five-letter word. If you also love doing that kind of word game, then you should play the daily KUAF word game. Just head over to KUAF.com and see how you fare. And if you're a listener of Ozarks at Large... You might notice a pattern in the word choices, but hey, I don't want to spoil it for you. Just head over to KUAF.com and play along. Thanks. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellams. The state of Arkansas will receive more than $10 million to strengthen the state's electrical grid. The Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration announced the $10.3 million award yesterday. The money comes from the Infrastructure and Jobs Act. The DFA says the money in Arkansas will be used to prevent power outages. Projects that may qualify for the grants include weatherization technologies and equipment, placing electrical equipment underground, and power line relocation. State economic development officials are partnering with the Department of Parks, Heritage,
0: and Tourism on strategies to recruit new workers to Arkansas. Officials with the Arkansas Economic Development Commission discussed the partnership in a roundtable discussion with the State Parks, Recreation, and Travel Commission yesterday. Trey Berry, president of Southern Arkansas University of Magnolia, said the state should seek to retain new graduates of colleges and universities.
11: The vast majority of our
1: universities, if you look at a map of the state, are within 25 miles of a neighboring state. And they're attracting
11: students from all over the world, all over the country. And what we're hearing from these students is they would love to stay in Arkansas. They want to have a good job when they graduate. What's most important to them is quality of life.
0: Commerce Secretary Hugh McDonald says the state is focusing on recruiting entrepreneurs, skilled workers, and members of the military, as well as graduates of Arkansas-based colleges living outside
1: the state. The city of Greenland in Washington County will use a $3.2 million loan from the Clean Water State Revolving Loan Fund for a wastewater system rehabilitation project. That loan is part of a nearly $218 million package of 16 water and wastewater projects serving more than 622,000 Arkansans. It was approved, the package, yesterday by the Arkansas Department of Agriculture's Natural Resources Commission.
0: The Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas is ranked as the the 25th best undergraduate business program in public colleges by U.S. News and World Report in its 2024 national listing. The college is ranked 38th in the country among all public and private institutions. It is the 22nd consecutive year U.S. News has ranked the college in the top 30 among public
1: colleges. The U.S. Department of Education says the state of Arkansas is under investing in the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. A letter to Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders signed by U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cordonia says UAPB should have received a comparable amount of funds to the University of Arkansas's flagship campus in Fayetteville. According to the letter, the historically black university has missed out on over $330 million in state funding during the last 30 years. The
0: letter states this situation predates everyone currently involved, but the Department of Education wants to work with the state to create a plan to resolve the funding gap. Responding to an inquiry from Little Rock Public Radio, Governor Sanders' director of communication, Alexa Hanning, said the governor is proud of the rich tradition at UAPB. Henning called the letter from the education department threatening and politically charged.
1: The Arkansas Air and Military Museum is hosting a free Museum Day Saturday from 9 until 5. The public may take a trip to Drakefield this weekend to avoid the regular entrance fee of $11 and observe aircraft from many eras of aviation. Museum director Lacey Prince says there's plenty for attendees of every age to enjoy.
4: So we have some airplanes that are almost 100 years old. Um, We have airplanes that you can get inside of while you're here, and then we have artifacts from our local Arkansans telling their their story about their, you know, trials and tribulations while in the military.
0: While you can get inside some antique aircraft, Prince says flying lessons won't be a part of the day.
8: No, not this time. But uh, yeah, you can inside the C-130R Huey and our CH-21.
1: For more information, you can visit their website. I would not think that flying lessons would be part of that. I would neither. (laughs) But it reminds me, side note, the first time I went to Turpentine Creek to do a story, they said, well, we can't let you in the cages with the Tigers. Not that I would want to. But somebody apparently had asked. (laughs) So you never know, right? That's why you have to say those things. (laughs) Finally, the 11th-ranked Razorback soccer team is hosting number 9 Alabama tonight. It's Arkansas's SEC home opener. Alabama is the highest-ranked team to play in Fayetteville since a fifth-ranked Texas A&M team played here in 2020.
11: Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Senate President Bart Hester of Cave Springs said last week's special session on tax cuts and the Freedom of Information Act will not be the last time the state legislature takes up those two issues. We'll hear what he has to say later on today's show. Plus, Fayetteville-based Signature Bank of Arkansas has expanded its wealth management division. And we've got some record-setting numbers to discuss from the state's tourism sector. We'll have all of those stories for you after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report.
10: Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create health care solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender.
11: Last week's special session of the Arkansas Legislature in Little Rock focused on tax cuts and the Freedom of Information Act. As the Senate president, Republican lawmaker Bart Hester of Cave Springs was right in the middle of those discussions. Here's what he had to say about what happened last week and what's next in a recent interview
12: with Roby Brock. Uh, This legislative session, the special session that's wrapped up, let's begin with tax cuts. Uh, You guys have lowered the personal income tax rate on the top income earners in the state from 4.7 to 4.4 percent. Corporate rate moves down to 4.8 percent. How quickly... Will we see those tax cuts in effect? Will it be the next paycheck that uh, Arkansans get, or will it be when they settle up their taxes next year?
3: Well, it'll be when they these tax cuts will go into effect January first of twenty four. But we have some um, some immediate tax relief uh, the one hundred and fifty dollars per person to three hundred for joint filing uh, that we as quickly as we can get DFNA to work that into their paychecks they will. But we know that uh, inflation is hurting. Uh, everyone, uh, gas prices are up, and uh, $150 matters to working families uh, and the people of Arkansas. We're happy to send it back to them.
12: Yeah, there's an income threshold on that. Was it $90,000? Is that what y'all settled on? It's it's
3: roughly $90,000. I right. try, but once you make roughly $90,000, you don't qualify for that.
12: All right. Um, what's going to be the approach to tax cuts going forward? Do you guys think that you will start looking at some potential more tax cuts in the next fiscal session, which is right after the first of the year? Do you think you'll wait till the budget period closes at the end of June next year, or do you think you'll maybe just wait until the next regular session to even address it?
3: You know, the governor campaigned the entire time on moving the uh, income tax towards zero. That is the posture of the legislature as well. And our past behavior, since the governor's been here, and even including Governor Hutchinson, we continue to cut it down. I suspect you will continue to see, see the same behavior. It wouldn't surprise me if we didn't continue to address income taxes in the fiscal session, uh, as long as the state's revenues stay strong.
12: All right, so it's going to be dependent on how tax collections are going, is what I hear you mm-hmm. saying there. But it could, you could take it up as early as next February.
3: At, we could, well April. That's when we come into the next fiscal right. session is April. Right. But yeah, we'll have a lot of information on where the state's at at that point. Uh, that's the next logical time we could take it up, um, as long as revenues are strong.
12: All right. As much as you guys wanted the headline for this uh, special session to be the tax cut special session, it became the Freedom of Information Act special session. What was the emergency uh, for changing the Freedom of Information Act?
3: I think the emergency uh, goes around two things, the governor and her first family's security, and then two, really just operating on the efficiency of government. Uh, But look, I'll tell you, this has been one of the healthiest Really, best weeks uh, that I've been in the legislature that I can remember. The Senate body really worked well together. We listened to the people of Arkansas. We listened to the people not only back from our districts, email and calling and texting us, but we listened to the people that came and spoke and and we made it. We made adjustments. I think it's been a really healthy, good process for the state of Arkansas.
12: You had to be a bit surprised by the coalition that coalesced around this, were you? It was Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, far right, far left, journalists. Uh, it, there was a little bit of everything in that melting pot of opposition to the original bill that was filed.
3: Uh, you know I don't know that we were uh, surprised. Look, people of Arkansas care deeply about transparency in government, as we the legislature do. I think that there are some things that just we didn't have enough time in a three day session to communicate it well. We're going to spend time moving forward, communicating it well. But I think most Arkansans agree that if we're in litigation, that the people suing us shouldn't be able to defend our defense position. Those are some very basic common things that I think the people of Arkansas agree with. We've got to do a better job of communicating that.
12: Do you think that you guys will structure um, maybe within the existing framework of the FOI task force that has been created legislatively? some conversations, some public hearings to allow that kind of input? Or do you think it'll still be on legislators and the governor working behind the scenes to put some things together for the future?
3: Well, um, I know the Attorney General has a working group right now that is filled with people uh, that, that wanna protect FOIA. But they also understand that there are some real concerns that we need to be looking at, like the one I just mentioned, or in a disaster situation, should the governor be able to communicate about things that maybe shouldn't necessarily be uh, public, communicate with her secretaries. So they're going to continue to work through that. Uh, but I, I, I can tell you uh, there will be a lots of public debate. There will be lots of talk as we move forward for the things that I believe with enough communication and enough understanding, people will agree that it's appropriate.
12: Yeah. The attorney general's group is a working group. It's not really a formal group in terms of it's not going to have public hearings. It's it's to advise him on some things as he's described it. Are, are you talking about putting something together that there will where there will be public hearings to allow input uh, for some of that things, Or do you think you understand all the issues and concerns already?
3: Well, I think we've got enough to start working on right now. And again, we're going to lean, I think as a legislature, we're going to lean heavily on the attorney general, Tim Griffin's working group. Hey, they're, they're, they're fair. They're, they're really working hard through this. And when they give us some recommendations, then at that point, once we have those recommendations, we go in the governor's office. I think it would be appropriate to have some, um, you know, some open hearings on that. And that would be a very appropriate path forward. But we haven't discussed that yet.
12: All right. My advice to you is, you might want to have those public hearings before you got something to put forward, and then uh, assemble the stew that way. Let me ask you about the bill that passed uh, the, the the third version of the bill that was filed that uh, that you were a lead sponsor on. It protects those security protocols for the governor and other elected officials. Uh, it provides a retroactivity clause, and it also provides quarterly expense reports to the state legislature on monthly aggregate expenses. My question to you is, do you think that's going to be enough to know if, for instance, the state airplane that the governor is using uh, is used just for state purposes? How are you going to know if it's being used for political purposes or maybe even some sort of private use?
3: Yeah, that, that's a great question. And here's the reality. I think you can just look right now at how often this governor has used the plane versus those past three or four governors, how often they've used the plane. She's just simply not using it that often in comparison. And number two, um, uh, the legislature has the ability through our audit to look at all those expenses. Uh, we can look at every detail uh, that is shielded through FOIA, through FOIA, but every one of us through our audit process has the ability to look at those and make sure it was used appropriately. Do you plan to do that? Well, we absolutely plan to do that. I can tell you there was a lot of even Republican members that say, hey, we have to have uh, full transparency and accountability within uh, you know, within things that are appropriate to be public. But we, we will have Republicans and Democrats through the audit that will, that will monitor that for the people of Arkansas. That is
11: State Senate President Bart Hester, Republican of Cave Springs. You can find that entire interview online at talkbusiness.net. The Wealth Management Division of Fayetteville-based Signature Bank of Arkansas recently acquired Batisto Investment Group in Harrison. Signature Private Wealth Group has 11 employees and offices in Fayetteville, Bentonville, and now Harrison. It has about $770 million in client assets, and that includes about $160 million in client assets from Batisto. Arkansas's tourism industry posted record employment of 131800 in May and a record 2% tourism tax revenue in June. Arkansas's tourism tax revenue between January and June was $12.7 million. That's up about 9% compared with the same period last year. A record for monthly collections was set this past June with $2.71 million. And if you're in the market for commercial acreage along Interstate 49, you're in luck. A 140-acre pasture land site known as the Mills Farm property just hit the market with a price tag for $35 million. It's at the southwest corner of the I-49 West Pleasant Grove Road intersection in Rogers. You can find all of those stories and more at nwabusinessjournal.com where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: Thursday. It's music day on Ozarks LR. A lot of days are music day, but it's the day we look ahead to what live music we have, Timothy. Right.
0: Uh, let's start with tonight. All right. Kingfish and Fables going to welcome back Nate Hancock and the Declaration.
1: I really like Nate Hancock.
0: He's great. He's a Fable native, you know. Yeah. i
7: busted down a broken hearted. I know that your shoulder isn't too far. And trust me, I mean what I say. A friendship is worth more than it. I'm so rich in love
0: like being high on drugs. And Singer songwriter. Uh, he's returning for this early fall show at Kingfish. Uh, that is a free show. It starts at 8 o'clock tonight again at Kingfish in Fayetteville.
1: I mean, I'm going to go technical. It's a late, 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 late summer show. Uh, I hang on to this season as long as I wait, can.
0: Wait, no, tomorrow is the first day of fall, right? Actually,
1: I think this year it comes in the earliest hours of the 23rd. Okay.
0: <laughs> We're splitting hairs here.
1: Oh, very much so. Let's that's my on. fault. Let's move on to tomorrow night.
0: Yes. Uh, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville for Happy Hour is going to have Divas on Fire on stage. Okay. That has an $8 cover. starts at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. For their late show tomorrow night, George's is going to have Jason Boland and the Stragglers in oh. the house. Great red dirt band. Mm-hmm.
11: Cheap bourbon, whiskey, and pearl snapshirts are two things that stay the same. So when the world starts spinning and your head hurts, there's
0: a cheap bourbon whiskey and pearl snap shirt. Tickets are $25 in advance, go up to $30 at the door. Starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, also at George's in Fayetteville. OK, moving up north just a little bit, Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville is going to have a metal show featuring the bands Billy, Commandment, Take Rest, and Angel Flash. The carcass, a cover is $10. That starts at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Nomads Trailside in Fayetteville. Walt well, Arts Center in Fayetteville tomorrow night is going to have Monty Montgomery in the house. He's a great guitarist and storyteller. Yeah, yeah he the is. One was mine the
5: stop, i know Let come between A Just to go. Do you, you tell me baby you took too long to
0: tickets start at 33 dollars starts at 7 30 tomorrow night again that's at bolton arts center in fayetteville tomorrow night at Kingfish in Fayetteville they're going to have Dominic B. Roy on stage he's everywhere lately he is everywhere I know he's working on a new album it's not quite ready yet but he's, he's a great folk singer mm-hmm. that show starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night again that is at Kingfish in Fayetteville happening up north in Bentonville Meteor Guitar Gallery is having a metal show of their own featuring the band's Grand Inquisitor Under a Spell Descentious and The Salesman hey! is $8 in advance, goes up to $10 at the door, starts at 8 o'clock tomorrow night again, that's at Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville. Over in Rogers tomorrow night, the Music Depot is going to have Brandon Santini in the house. He is a songwriter and harmonica player from Illinois. Ooh, Ooh doggy, drop
7: a line in the water Ooh, doggy, come along with me Ooh, doggy, drop a line
11: in the water, the fishes are biting We're gonna go see Ooh, mama, hop the stove, turn the skillet on Ooh, mama, fly up to the right
0: Covers fifteen dollars, starts at seven o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at the music depot at Rogers. Over in Eureka Springs tomorrow night. The auditorium is going to have Quiet Riot on stage.
1: This is kind of in conjunction with Bike Spoons and Barley. Yeah, I would right?
0: imagine so. I couldn't imagine Quiet Riot coming to Eureka Springs on most weekends. They've been to Eureka before. They have. I mean it was
1: back in com- their heyday? Well, a little past the heyday. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Tickets start at $49. That starts at 7.30 tomorrow night. Again, that's at the City Auditorium in New York Springs. Okay, jumping ahead to Saturday, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have the band Cosmic Cream on stage. They're a Hot Springs-based alt-rock band. They're celebrating the release of their new album called Magic Man. Tickets are $8. That starts at 8 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Kingfish in Fayetteville Saturday night is going to have Patty Steele on stage. Mm-hmm. That shows That's Saturday night? That's Saturday night. Okay. Starts at 9 o'clock. Again, that's at Kingfish in Fayetteville. Also, Saturday evening, 612 Coffee House is going to have Circle of Thirds back in the house. More they're not good. a house band there, but they're there often. Yeah, they're a fixture. Yeah. There. I wouldn't quite well, call put. it a residency, but right. it's almost a residency. Yeah. That show starts at 8 o'clock Saturday night again. That's at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. Early in the day, Saturday, is the World Championship Squirrel Cookoff in Springdale.
1: In Springdale?
0: Yeah, it's at the Hunt Family Ozark Highlands oh. Nature Center this year. And if you don't know where that is, it's on 40th Street near the Thunder Chicken Mountain Bike Park. But I say all of this to say. Mm-hmm. That Jumpsuit Jamie is going to be playing oh, that's that morning. Way fitting. Honky tonk and squirrels. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. You ever had squirrel? I haven't. I would like to, though. Yeah, I have. I would also like to eat snake and several other things. I've had things, rattlesnake. But, yeah. Tastes like chicken.
1: I mean, it did. <laughs> that's I had it, what na- everybody's I had it in Austin, Texas. Okay. Squirrel that's... did not. Squirrel had its own taste. Anyway, Jumpsuit yes. Jamie is going to be playing yes. at the World Championship squirrel cook-off yes.
0: from 10 a.m. to noon. That happens Saturday at the Highlands Nature Center in Springdale. Fantastic. Okay, Saturday night in Eureka Springs, Got a Whole Brewing is going to have Americana rock artist Jake Reno on their stage. Sitting
7: in the shade
0: with a six-pack and a marble cigarette
5: Hanging from my lip, thought I was cool Thinking about the girl who lives deep down in my heart
0: that show starts at 6 o'clock Saturday evening. Again, that is at Hole Brewing in Eureka Springs. Also Saturday night, Ozark Folkways in Winslow is going to have a group that you've had on the show before, She's mm. Us. Oh, it's been a while, but yeah, yes. They're a great vocal oh, group. Oh, yeah. They're fun. Fun to talk with, too. Cover for that show is $10. Starts at 6 o'clock Saturday evening. Again, that's at Ozark Folkways in Winslow. Okay, jumping ahead to Monday, JJ's live in Fayetteville. This is an
1: early fall show.
0: This is an early fall show. They're going to have, still yet, another metal show featuring the band
5: Avatar.
1: I know of Avatar. Oh, you do? Yes. What can you tell us about Avatar? They're metal. <laughs> okay. I, I don't feel like I have the palette, the musical palette, to tell you much about a metal band, yeah. but I know of them, yes. Okay,
0: that's fair. Tickets are 3450 in advance, go up to 39.50 at the door. Starts at 7.30 Monday. Again, that's at JJ's Live in Fayetteville. Tuesday night, the Walmart Amp is going to have Queens of the Stone Age on stage. Larry, uh.
1: call them a loud band yeah not necessarily metal i don't know depending where you define it would you consider queens of the stone age classic rock at this point oh that's a great question i mean influenced by classic rock sure i don't know when you become i don't know i mean is it kind of like a classic car after like
0: 25 years it becomes classic
1: you get, the, you get the license
0: plate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't
1: know. Possibly.
0: Okay. I, okay, I could see that. We'll go with that for now. Sure. Tickets for that show start at $25. They're joined on that bill by Jenny Beth and Viagra Boys. Okay. And that show starts at 7 o'clock Tuesday evening again at the Walmart and, and Rogers. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then next Thursday, Butterfield Stage and Rogers is going to have Sons of Otis Malone on stage.
7: And breaking noses. A witness to the power of god's ever loving grace and if you
1: don't believe next him, thursday
0: next thursday and it's at butterfield stage admission is free gets underway at seven o'clock next thursday night again that's at butterfield stage in downtown rogers
1: your one job now for the next seven days, is to remind me that that show is happening Thursday. First
0: thing I tell you every morning, hey, Sons of Malone the next day because you know how I feel about
1: them. I do. They're fantastic. Do.
0: They're probably both one of our favorite yes. local bands. Yes.
1: And okay, that, that'll do us for the next. All week. right. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. Hi, it's Steve Inskeep with NPR News, reminding you that radio is a medium that allows for multitasking while you're getting up in the morning. While you're getting dressed, getting showered, making breakfast, getting off to work or to school or getting kids where they need to be, we are with you, informing you of the world. Jumpstart your day with Morning Edition from NPR News.
0: You can listen to Morning Edition with your local host, Daniel Carruth, tomorrow and every weekday morning from 5 to 9 on KUAF.
1: The Six Bridges Book Festival returns Monday. For seven days, the Central Arkansas Library System will host authors both in person and virtually. Fiction, nonfiction, children's literature, cooking, and memoir all going to be represented and pie. Again this year there is a Sunday pie contest at the Root Cafe in Little Rock. The in-person events are in Little Rock, but the first nine author appearances, those taking place Monday through Wednesday, will be virtual. Last week we reached Tamika Lee, the communications director for the Central Arkansas Library System, by Zoom, and asked her how long it takes to prepare for the annual festival. months.
4: (laughs) So it takes a long time and a lot of volunteers. There's a talent committee that helps with nominating authors and making the connections to publishers and agents. So it is definitely a large-scale project.
1: And uh, there are great representation both of Arkansas writers and national writers and writers with international connections. I imagine that's kept in the balance as well.
4: Yeah, we definitely like to make sure that we have a variety of voices represented at the Six Bridges Book Festival and of course with it being in Arkansas we want to make sure that we give our local authors an opportunity to show their um, their art because we have some actually very popular local authors, some who have a really great following, like Kevin Brockmeyer, who's been involved with the festival, I think, since the very first one. He serves on the talent committee, but he's also an author, so he has a lot of connections. This year we have Eli Craner uh, in previous years. We've had Ayana Gray who has just, you know, blown up yes. <laughs> you know, with her you know, with her series of books. So we definitely like to make sure that there is a combination of, you know, a variety of ages, races, backgrounds, Like you said, people from different countries, like we, we really work hard to make sure that the festival has, um, that the festival is diverse and inclusive.
1: And, and it, that extends also to the kinds of books. There's nonfiction, there's fiction, there's children's, there's the gamut.
4: Yeah, exactly. So, like you said, we have memoirs and cooking, <laughs> cookbooks, and uh, people who actually just like writing. There's something for them to do this year. Children's books. We have a whole day of children's activities at the Clinton Children's Library. So, uh, in partnership with the Junior League, so we really do work. Like you said, it's a very... Uh, purposeful to make sure that we have the different genres represented. So how can people
1: participate? Because you you mentioned activities. There there are authors. There are things to do. What's the best way to, to get sort of a lay of the land?
4: So we do have a a website, sixbridgesbookfestival.org. You can see the full schedule there, uh, and you can see it in a few different formats to try and make it easy (laughs) for Mm. people. So we have the link there where you can click on the schedule at a glance, but it's also broken down uh, by a few days at a time (laughs) to make it a little easier for people to navigate. And then our children's activities, Little Readers Rock, uh, that we do in partnership with uh, the Junior League of Little Rock, that actually has its own section on the website so people can see the full list of everything that will be happening at that one location. Uh, and it's going to be pretty fun at the Children's Library. Not to say that it's not always fun, but it's going to be very fun this year. We have a all, uh, an outdoor fair, a community art project, a scavenger hunt, and a magic show. And of course, a really uh, terrific illustrator will be there as well, Laura Freeman. So it is I mean, we're looking forward to what's going to happen at Children's Library. And one
1: thing that's developed, you know, over the past few years is that not everything has to be in person. You can have a wide array of authors that come to us virtually.
4: Yeah, and so our first three days of the festival are all virtual. So Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we have nine virtual sessions that are lined up. And so, if someone wants to participate in the festival and they're not able to travel, that's a fantastic way for them to be able to log on and still feel like they are a part of the festival and engage with these brilliant writers. What is Pub or Parish? it's sort of an open mic night.
1: (laughs) Okay. So
4: so it's an opportunity for people to uh, read works of their own, selections that they like from other people's books. So it's almost like a spoken word. (laughs) But, you know, you get a chance to enjoy a a drink or two while you're doing it.
1: (laughs) I'm not going to ask you to tell me if you have any authors that you're especially excited about. I'm not going to ask you to to do that, but I'll tell you that there are a few on here that I'm interested in, and one of them is um, Regina Black. I have not read Art of a Scandal yet, but I know people who have, and they say it is uh, quite the book.
4: Yes, and actually, that is one of the people that I'm (laughs) looking forward to as well. (laughs) I am looking forward to Regina Black. I, too, have heard great things about the book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, and she's just delightful <laughs> because we've had a chance to interact with her, you know, as the, um, the marketing and communications team. So she has just been a joy uh, to work with. I'm also looking forward to Christian Cooper, who some people may know him from the um, sort of infamous Central Park incident. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a birder, and so he actually has a show on NetGeo, and he's written a book, uh, Better Living Through Birding Notes from a Black Man in the Natural World. So I'm looking forward to his take <laughs> on bird watching, which is something that some people may not associate with, um, with African-Americans. So I'm looking forward to that book as, uh, as well as Regina's. And I'm looking forward to Maureen Corrigan. Yes. So there are definitely a few people on the list.
1: And you mentioned, mentioned Kevin Brockmire. He's part of the last day uh, talking about uh, the ghost variations, those sometimes incredibly short ghost stories that's in that. And there's also the pie contest.
4: Which if anybody has not been to that, they are missing out because it really is fun. And one of our cooking workshop um, authors will be the special guest judge. Uh, So Stacey Stacey May Fong will actually be a part of the uh, pie contest this year. So if you don't have a chance to catch her during her session, or if you don't have a chance to participate in her cooking workshop, you have one last chance to see her as a part of the pot contest.
1: And you mentioned Maureen Corrigan. She's going to be talking about banned books. And in 2023, banned books, libraries, it's, um, you know, a topic a lot of us are talking about and thinking about.
4: It's definitely top of mind for a lot of people, so this is a timely presentation. And coming from a person who knows this world, so she is, a, you know, sort of a subject matter <laughs> expert this. So it will, be a, it will be fascinating to get her take on the history of book bans and people who have actually participated in book burnings uh, over the years and how that is applicable to what we find, the situation that we find ourselves in now, uh, especially those of us who are in the, the book world or those of us who are in library work. Uh, it's one that I am personally very interested in, in hearing her take on it.
1: Mika, thank you so much for your time.
4: Oh, Thank you for having me. I appreciate the support that the Fayetteville audience gives to the Central Arkansas Library System, and I hope that we do have some people who are able to come out or catch us virtually.
1: Tamika Lee is the communications director for the Central Arkansas Library System. They are the hosts for the annual Six Bridges Book Festival that begins with virtual author talks on Monday and will continue with in-person events throughout the next week in Little Rock. A full schedule of events, both in-person and virtual, can be found at cals.org. We have that same link available at ozarksatlarge.com.
7: I was attracted to jazz in a foreign country, so my experience of jazz from the very beginning is that it's an international art form
11: that's saxophonist and band leader tim armacost and i'm robert Ginsburg, your host for shades of jazz on this week's edition of the show i'll feature an exclusive interview with armacost who'll be performing with his quintet at walton Arts
1: center on september 30th tune in every friday and saturday for shades of jazz shades of jazz tomorrow night at 10 On 91.3 KUAF, then Saturday morning beginning at 11 on KUAF 3. And you can hear KUAF 3 by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF 3. You can also hear it at KUAF.com, as well as for free on your HD radio, in your car, or at home.
0: Tomorrow at Ozarks, we continue our visits with musicians involved in the Arkansas Tiny Desk Contest. Ashton Barbary, no stranger to our program, no. talks with us about her music and how her cat is a silent partner.
6: She's really interesting. Whenever I sing, um, like certain notes, she'll like come to me like I'm in danger, and I think it's really funny. Sometimes when I'm writing, I'll just like it'll just be me and Biscuit hanging out, and I'll just like laugh out loud because sometimes her ears look like she has sonar or something, mm-hmm. and she really listens to the music.
1: Ashton Barbary on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. You can always hear the most recent edition of our show by asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large.
6: I'm Anna Pope, KUAF's Growth Impact Reporter, and I'm also a KUAF member. I donate because of the subjects, ideas, and people I hear on KUAF. From Arkansas.
10: In a narrow, forested, spring-fed valley, along Clear Creek, a team of archaeologists. To Niger.
0: 24 hours in Niger, that has followed a familiar script.
10: To Taiwan. <laughs> Plastic injection molding machines hum here at Huame, a company in Taiwan city of Tainan. And just
6: about everywhere else. KUAF connects you to the local, national, and international news with a flip of a switch, turn of a dial, or tap of a button. Moments spent with KUAF are moments well spent. And we'll be sure that your donation is money well spent, too. It takes just a few moments to make your donation at supportkuaf.com. And thanks.
0: This is 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Flint Creek. Flint Creek, keeping the lights on for most of Northwest Arkansas. It's also a major, I don't know, major. it's a big tributary of the Illinois River, I believe. I believe that's correct. Yeah. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Don't forget, you can always listen to the podcast version of our program. It's available at our website, kuaf.com, ozarksatlarge.com, yep. or through any major podcast
1: outlet. Contributors to our program today included Victoria Hernandez, Sophie Narani, Jack Travis, Paul Gatling and Roby Brock. Additional reporting today provided by the news team at Little Rock Public Radio. Timothy produced today's Ozarks at Large in the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Our Director of Community Engagement at KUAF is Jasper Logan. Okay, uh, Matthew and I mentioned this a couple days ago, but we've got a, a bit of time we can mention this. Yeah. Uh, Ozarks at Large will be on Little Rock Public Radio beginning October 2nd. Which That's is- correct. And it's not going to be at noon, though. No. Only at 7. Right. But we're looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, yes, you'll be able to hear uh, Ozarks at large through, what, geographically about two-thirds of the I would say that's fair with
0: their translators and everything. I mean, we just got to get Texarkana and Jonesboro on with Little Rock and we'll Well, be the whole
1: state. It's their idea. And I will will mention that Little Rock Public Radio approached us. Right. It wasn't like we twisted their arm or anything and they – So, yeah, I'm excited. It'll start Monday night, October 2nd at 7 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And
0: it makes sense because we do actually air
1: quite a bit of content from Little Rock Public Radio. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we'll look forward to that. Won't change anything up here. You'll still get us at noon and 7, and we'll keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. We're going to do it again tomorrow at noon and 7. I'll be with you also Sunday morning for Weekend Ozarks at Large at 9 from the Carver Center for Public Radio. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Timothy
5: Dennis. Thank you so much for listening. Please be well and have a great rest of your Thursday. Arkansas Symbols Day, a school program open to students from kindergarten to third grade, returns to the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History October 10th. It includes 25 interactive stations, with each featuring a symbol showcasing the history of our state, some with items to take home. Registration at shilohmuseum.org.